0: Yeah, we had Lauren, Rebecca, Janice and Emma. Yeah, aren't they great? Who needs the voice? Who needs X Factor? Who needs Australia's Got Talent when you've got talent like that in church? Isn't that awesome? Fantastic. Thank you, ladies, all young mums. Speaking of Mother's Day, men, a couple of weeks to go. So get ready for that. Hey, if... uh, Hey, before I go, uh, Greg, 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 before you go, this is uh, my friend Greg, because he's first coming, just quickly, just quickly. It's my friend Greg, um, first day playing guitar on stage, isn't that awesome? And uh, just quickly, just quickly, Greg and I, we went through Bible college together in Sydney, and nearly, tw- in fact, it was 20 years ago this year, wasn't it? And uh, it's so good, Greg uh, is originally from Sydney, moved to Hobart for work and then, now transferred to Launceston. It's great to have Greg, isn't it? Fantastic. Thanks, Greg. Good to have you, buddy. Wow. Hey, I understand that we have uh, the newest member of Door of Hope in the house this morning. Where is he? Caleb Philip, Dean. Up the back there, welcome Rachel and Andrew and Caleb Philip, Dean. Great to have you here. And uh, let me give my welcome to those who are watching online. Uh, It depends on the day, just how many people are watching. I think we had about 30, 35 people last week watching online. We don't know who is there. Um, But uh, we just welcome you. It's great to have you wherever you may be watching across the world. And uh, welcome this morning for those who are participating online. We're in a series. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to get online onto our website or onto our podcast. And uh, check in last week. We started one, uh, week one of our three-week series just before Mother's Day on family. We're talking about family matters. How's your family going? I wonder what your family looks like we're all different, aren't we? And uh, we're nothing, you know, we're not saying that we're perfect and things like that, but we're talking about family matters, family matters, fight for the heart. We talked about that a little bit last week, which I'm going to continue this week. But don't you love children? Don't you love children? They say the funniest things. I wish we had recorded some of the funniest things that our children said when they were children. Here are some children talking about how they understand the Bible. The first book of the Bible, uh, one child says, is the book of geniuses, of which Adam and Eve were created from an apple tree. Can I have a little bit more light? Thanks, Ben. There, Thanks, buddy. Um, Another little boy said, Samson slayed the Philippines with the axe of the apostles. (laughs) Another little boy said, Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not admit adultery. Another little one said, Solomon had 300... Just those two white ones, thanks, Ben. Those, uh, another one said, Solomon had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. <laughs> come on, I think uh, some of us have said the same thing, right? Come on, come on. Just those N ones are fine. <laughs> another little one said, Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. <laughs> another little girl, she said, the people who followed Jesus were the 12 decibels. The epistles are the wives of the apostles. A man should only have one wife, a little one said, and that's called monotony. <laughs> Let's shift gears a little bit. Little, uh, letters, to cho- letters to God by children. Little boy said, dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> a little boy said, dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works for my brother and I. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all the people in the world. There are only four people in my family. I can never do it. (laughs) I'll finish up with this. Letters to pastors. Dear pastor, I'm sorry I can't put more money in the offering. My dad didn't give a raise in my pocket money. Could you please have a sermon about raises for pocket money? Dear Pastor, how does God know the good people from the bad people? Do you tell him, or does he read about it in the newspapers? Last one. Dear Pastor, I really liked your sermon on Sunday, especially when it finished. Come on, let's give the kids a clap. Let's move on. All right. All right, last week we talked about Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah was a cup bearer. His role was uh, the responsibility as a butler uh, to drink of the cup and to eat of the king's plate before he did just in case the the king was poisoned. What a job that was. So it's Nehemiah. Nehemiah was responsible to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Remember this story? And he put, of all people, he put families, families, to fight for the rebuilding of the walls, to protect, and that's their border. It was a big thing back in those days, of course. So that was Nehemiah. We talked about that, but he put families in place to fight. And that's uh, what Dorothy, and is in fact going to come and share next Sunday. I think it's the first time in a full kind of sermon way, our Hope Generation minister is going to come and share with us a little bit more about this next Sunday. Something to look forward to. Then we talked about Moses. Moses, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, was, uh, uh, they were approaching the promised land as, and as Moses is their leader, the father, Moses was speaking to the Israelites on behalf of God and the importance of the families, that song, that beautiful song we've just heard, the importance of passing on their faith to the next generation. And Moses in his leadership, he struggles in leading the Israelites and, 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 and helping them connect to God and to obey God. And here they are in the wilderness for 40 years. On an 11-day trip, it took them 40 years to get to the promised land in Canaan. And, uh, and God's faithfulness, this was all because of God, God's faithfulness that they landed to where they landed. And, so, and from now on, as, as Moses stood before the people and said, Hear, oh hear, if there's one thing you can listen to, listen to this Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says. Hear, oh hear, O Israel, for God is one. For God is who he is. For God is God. And so from now on, everything is going to be different. We're going to move from that sense of fear of God to the love of God. It was the first time to love God was introduced. They knew of God's love. They knew to love one another. But here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 it was the first time as Moses stood before them and says to love, love God. It actually removes from religion to relationship for the first time for his people. And so here, it's it's God's character that's being introduced to the people of God, that God can be trusted, not because the people deserve it, not because they're going from the wilderness to the promised land, that they deserve it. It's anything that they've done, anything but. You read Deuteronomy chapter 6. In fact, it's because who God is. And by the way, the next generation is watching you. That's what Moses is saying here. And so there's no longer rules, but it's about relationship. And this is a game changer for the, for the Israelites. And so we said last week as we talk about family that we all come from families. We all come from a family. That's how we're brought into this world. And uh, family is universal, isn't it? And Families aren't awesome by accident, are they? In fact, by accident, they're quite average. That's why we have to work hard. That's why we have to fight for our family. Fisty cuffs, not physical kind of deal. But that sense, we've got to fight hard. We've got to work hard for our families to be great. And here at Door of Hope, we recognize that every family is unique. Whatever your family looks like, I want you to know, and hear it from me very clear right from the start, and it's this, that it matters to God and it matters to us. So once again, we're not trying to create this perfect picture of what family should look like. We're invited. We are invited into a bigger story. Which brings us to part two. Part two. Um, For some years, we've settled on five family values. I briefly touched on this last week. And as we embrace these values, which I'll reintroduce to us today, I'm sure many of you may not have heard these values. And uh, I think it's a good refresher and reminder also for those of us who have. But these values, these five family values that we hold up high here at Door of Hope is that as we do that, they begin to point us in a direction where our children are more likely to grow into their young adult years with a faith that lasts. Last week, uh, I shared three guiding statements, and the first guiding statement was was this, that parents are the greatest influence in their child's life. Bar none. Hands down, you are the greatest influence in your child's life. I also went on to, to say, which I'm going to uh, share a little bit more into, however, here today, however, you are not the only influence that your child needs. Because if all they get is me, all they get is me. They, they get a few of my strengths, but gee, they get a lot of weaknesses. And so, here's what we believe in family value number one, and it's this, that our children will need a wider circle of influence as they grow and develop into all that God has for them. This is family value number one here at Dorify, a wider circle of influence. Now, the the, the idea behind this is this is that parents need to pursue strategic relationships that provide another voice in their child's life saying the same kind of things a loving parent would say. All right, let's think back to when you were growing up. When you were growing up, maybe the chances are that there was an adult who took special interest in you outside that of maybe a guardian or a parent or parents. They took special interest in you. Maybe it was a neighbor, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a relative or a teacher of some kind. They saw you more, in fact, than just a relative or just a student or just a neighbor. I wonder who that person or people might have been for you. They cared about you. They took interest in you. They encouraged you in life. Somehow, they were hugely influential in your life. Now, having said that, think about your children and ask this, Do they have anyone like that in their lives right now? Because as we reflect back to the community that Moses and the people of Israel were forming, with God at the center, as we think about that, because we believe that this was actually God's design from the beginning. As influential as you and I are as parents, he didn't intend us to parent alone. What we believe is that God intended for us to widen the circle of influence. Last week, as I mentioned already, we've already talked about Nehemiah. We've talked about Moses. Now, let's go to the New Testament. Let's see what Jesus himself has to say about family. Because in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus kind of explodes the traditional definition of family. Not in a bad way. And now this is not a well-known passage, but gee, it's fascinating. I don't know if you've read this in Matthew chapter 12, and it's entitled, The True Family of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 46, if you have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen, but feel free. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 says this. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, who was Jesus talking to? A crowd, just maybe similar to this, maybe. His mother and brothers stood outside. Jesus was talking to the crowd. Who was outside? His mother's and his mother and brothers. They were wanting to what? To speak to him. Someone told him, "Hey Jesus, your mother and your brothers—they're standing outside, and they are wanting to speak to you." Now, just press pause there for a moment. We'll continue the story at the moment. You got the scene: Jesus is teaching. There's this crowd. Uh, mother, brother, uh, brothers are outside. They're wanting to speak to him. Now, Jesus, of course, grew up in a family. Who was there? There was his mother, Mary, and his brothers, and his um, earthly father, his stepdad, Joseph, of course. So Jesus grew up in a family. And here he is, he's outside, and his family are wanting him. Yet he's teaching, he's busy getting ministry done now, just press pause there for a moment. When it comes to my family, my wife and boy here, my girls serving out in Hope Kids this morning, when gen- generally, and it's a, when it's appropriate, I'm in a role that this can happen, when they call me or message me, generally, generally, not always, when it's appropriate, I reply. Because when they need me or when they want me, I generally stop everything, generally stop everything and serve my family. Now, wouldn't you expect Jesus to do just that. Well, what does he do? Let's read on. In verse 48, it says this, he replied to him, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? What's come over Jesus to reply like this? Has he forgotten? Isn't this a little rude reply And what Jesus, is Jesus saying, I don't really care about my mom? I don't really care about my brothers. I don't really care who's outside. You watch what happens in verse 49. Pointing to his disciples with the crowd, pointing to the disciples in this room, he said, here, here are my mother and my brothers. Now, before we think, before we jump to conclusion, is Jesus throwing his family out here? Certainly not. In fact, he's becoming more inclusive And he's inviting others in to the family circle. And he's saying that that's my mum. And they're my brothers, absolutely. But so are you. And so are you. And so are you. And so are you. You are my family. In fact, he wraps this up in verse, it's only a couple of verses. In verse 50, he says this, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, is my sister, and is my mother. That's Jesus. This is the New Testament talking to us. We know that he still valued his mother and his siblings. How do we know that? Who was with Jesus at the cross in the very last moments? His mum was. Didn't Jesus even say something about that? Didn't Jesus say to take care of my mum? He loved his mom. And so he's not throwing out his mum at all. He didn't throw out his family. In fact, he's added to his family. He's including others as a part of his family. Now, this is consistent, remember. This is consistent with what is taught in the Old Testament. Jesus is teaching in a fresh way that Moses, what Moses taught the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 6, that the culture, the culture of the Israelites was that of community, the communal raising of children, multi-generational support for parents. How many of us know that parents today needed our help? They need our help. And this is what the church did way back. And this is where we've come from and this is where we're going, to do things together in community where we all, we all Have a part to play in the life of a child and of a teenager, partnering in the moral and spiritual development of the next generation. That's why, number one, we're saying our children need a wider circle of influence. You're the greatest influence, absolutely, but you're not the only. Let's go to family value number two, and it's this. Imagine the end. Imagine the end. Now, some of you can't wait to the end, (laughs) but I'm not talking about that kind of end. All right? I'm not talking about that. You see, you have less time than you think. You know when, when you become a, a, a parent and they can say, make the most of it, the years go; really, they grow up really quick, yeah? Remember, like, and it does. It does. How many can identify? It does. It does. It does. See, you have less time than you think, but you have more influence than you realize. And you will always have influence. Even if you're a parent removed, you will still have influence. And so the idea behind this is that if we begin with the end in mind, we can focus our priorities on what matters most. Can I illustrate this by going back to the year 1993? I had had my first lesson, believe it or not. It's just this small yacht, right? It's just this small yacht. It's about 10 or so of us on this small yacht. And uh, I had my first lesson and uh, it was a windy day and it was a beautiful day. Did I say it was windy? It was incredibly windy. I'll never forget that. This is 1993, I'll never forget that, but I'll never forget this either. When the instructor put me behind the wheel and said this, in trying to keep this thing straight, I want you to fix a point on the horizon of where you want to go. Because he said, your peripheral vision will sort out everything else. I've never forgotten that. I thought this was great advice for life in general, really. Because if you can stay focused on something that is your ultimate destination, it has an amazing way of sorting out what really does matter. Yes, some of you actually put this into place when it comes to schooling. I'm going to work towards this. Some of you put this in place when it comes to education. I'm going to work towards this, or a career. You have imagined the end. Now, interestingly enough, the Bible also encourages us to imagine the end for the next generation. It says this, that if there's an end you should remember for your life and for the life of your children, it is this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And it's this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so instead of asking, what is it I want my child to do in life, maybe we'd actually start asking God, who do you want my child to become? Because that's not a career question. That, in fact, is a character question. And when you, focused on, when you focus on character, when you sp- focus on spiritual formation or spiritual development, that impacts everything. Everything, who they are and will become as an employee. Maybe who they become as a spouse, if that's the case. Maybe as they become a parent, if that's the case. Or a friend. This impacts everything. When you ask that question, it helps you imagine the end. And I think you would agree that a hundred years from now, the only thing, the only thing that is really going to matter in the life of your children is their relationship So that's value number two, imagine the end. Third family value we have here at Door of Hope is this, and that's fight for the heart. Fight for the heart. We talked a little bit about this last week, but this is learning to communicate in a way that gives the relationship value. You see, it's not a question of whether we fight, because inevitably there's all those kind of disagreements and arguments that come up, but it's how we fight. You see, when you fight with someone, you want to win. But when you fight for someone, you want that person to win. And Jesus, of course, is our example when it comes to this. He didn't fight with people, He fought for people. Now, I want to acknowledge here this morning that for some of us here this morning, is the only story you have ever known is to fight with. What would it look like if you started fighting for the relationship? Where you actually prioritise relationship over rules because you love. Not that rules and curfews and things like that aren't good. Not at all. But listen to the point. In fact, I want to say this. On behalf of Door of Hope Christian Church here this morning, that we have techniques. There are techniques, sorry. There are techniques that we help our parents... um, with. <laughs> and so we, we have certain training courses, and I think we've got a list here on the screen. This is just three or four that we provide. The marriage course isn't even on here. But there are techniques that you can use in using language to help raise the next generation. One, two, three, magic. A fantastic course. And it is. There is some kind of stuff going on there that is quite magic about this course. There's emotion coaching. There's engaging adolescents uh, for teenagers. There are these courses that help us relationally and with techniques in our language and how to speak to one another well. I know my wife and I have participated in these and are very, very thankful and have helped us in how to fight for the heart of our children rather than fighting with our children. I also just want to, if you've, got a, if you've got a phone here this morning, it's got a camera in it, feel free to take it out now, because I'm inviting each and every one of us, not just parents, but to this course, this seminar that's coming up. If we can put that slide up, here we go, here it is. This is coming up uh, in less than a month, Saturday, May 20, 4 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. This could be the best 90 minutes of your parenting life. Feel free to get your phones out, take a photo of this. There's more information in the foyer on your way out this morning. Take a photo of this. We would love each and every one of you be here. To every stage our child goes through brings opportunities to grow physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. If we go to the next slide, thank you. Saturday, May 20th, this is our guest speaker, Sally Hammond, a very good friend of ours here at Door of Hope. Some of those who might remember Dave, yeah? This is Dave's wife. She's written a book called Family. Anyway, that's here. She's our guest speaker, author, parent, and educator. I'm inviting you to be here on that day to learn. Sorry, that's from birth, by the way, from birth to grade six, specifically birth to grade six. So, the same way God fights for us in Jesus, he wants us to fight for the hardest. Tough as it gets, I know you're going to be thankful that one day that you fought for the relationship. That one of the most powerful things a parent can do is to learn to communicate in a way that values relationship. Family value number 4 is to create a rhythm. The idea behind this is this. This is where we increase the quantity of quality time. The quantity of quality time. You see every family has a rhythm. And our family rhythm silently but significantly communicates what we value. And our rhythm becomes our reality. Can I illustrate the point this way? The fine China illustration, the fine China versus the everyday, all day, ordinary kind of crockery. (laughs) The fine China. When people come, we're going to open the fine china cupboard, and we're going to get the fine china out, and we're going to eat from the fine china. Okay, does everyone understand? We get it, all right. Well, God has this idea in Deuteronomy chapter 6, by the way, again. He says this, well, in a kind of about way, and certainly no disrespect, but listen to the illustration just for a moment, that I want to be like your everyday crockery. In verse 6 to 9, he says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He's saying that I want to be a part of the rhythm of your everyday life where it's normal, where it's normal. Yet, maybe here's the reality of some of our homes here this morning that God is more like the fine, fine china than our everyday crockery. You know, when the Bible comes out, we get a little nervous over you. That's for church, isn't it? For the home. You see, God hopes to be the centerpiece. Of our family's life as we were introduced many, many years ago. How do we do that? Practically, because we often think we've got compli- to complicate things, don't we? But just practically, how does that get played out? Maybe at meal times. Turn the TV off and you have conversations. Just talk about life just to be there. Bedtime stories is an opportunity. Prayer times, reading times, discussion in the car kind of times. But make sure that it's natural and it's fun because rhythm silently But significantly communicates what we value. My question to you as we move on to the fifth and final one is this Is God in the rhythm of everyday life in your family? Fifth and final one it's this make it personal, make it personal. And the idea behind this is that when it comes to personal growth, parents need to put themselves first. You know, every time you get on an aeroplane, they've got that safety routine where two or three air hostesses stand up the middle of the aisle and there's one who speaks over and she says something like this, in case of an emergency, if cabin pressure changes, panels above your seat will open revealing oxygen masks. Be sure to apply your own mask before helping others. Why? Do you apply your own mask first? because you are no good to anyone else if you are dead. You got it, you got it. Hmm. The fifth value is going to be a challenge. In fact, it's going to challenge you in a way other values don't challenge you. Why? Because this one's personal. This one's personal. When it comes to parenting, we often put ourselves last. Because we're juggling so many things, lifts to school, lifts to music, lifts to sport, all that. We're juggling so many things, and we're busy, we're tired, and our relationship with God and others suffers. You know, we live in an era, not of God-centered parenting, but of, in fact, child-centered parenting. So we put our kids first. And that way we become relationally depleted, physically depleted, emotionally depleted, you name it. We are depleted. When it comes to spiritual and character formation, your journey, your journey, your 20 minutes in the chair where you meet with God, where you meet with God, impacts your children deeply. And I hope they see that when you open your Bible daily. I remember, I'll never forget my mum, sitting in her chair, opening her Bible and reading it. It was a wonderful example to me. Your kids are watching you in a way they might not watch you in other ways when it comes to this. Why? Because children have this incredible fake detector, don't they? You know, Jesus is important, the church is important. And eventually, if your relationship with God isn't fresh, our children know. It's not the perfect model, but it's an honest one. You know, the most important thing you can do for your children is when it comes to spiritual growth is to put yourself first and make it personal. What is Moses implying in Deuteronomy chapter 6 as we bring this plane into landing here this morning? It's this, that it has to be in you for it to be in your children it has to be in you before you can expect it to be in your children to be on your hearts on your mouths on your lips one of the best gifts you can give your children and yourself is to make regular emotional spiritual, physical and relational deposits but make it personal make it personal there are five family values there are five family values what are they? Widen the circle of influence. Imagine the end. Fight for the heart. Create a rhythm and make it personal. I wonder, as we keep those up there just for a moment, if we could, if God is prompting you in one of those particular areas that you need to maybe work on a little. Maybe you need to strengthen a little. I wonder what one value it is for you as a parent, or as a family member, or as a supporter, as a parent, as a grandparent. We're all a part of the family who are responsible to help raise the next generation. Because as we embrace these families, these family values, they will start to point us in a direction that our children are more likely to grow into their young adult years with a faith that lasts. They're important to us, and we hope and pray. They're going to make a big difference to you in the home as we raise the next generation spiritually and morally in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the calling upon us each into a bigger story. We thank the Lord that uh, your idea of family has a role for all of us to play. May Jesus inspire us in widening the circle of influence for the sake of the next generation. May we each be able to imagine that end for our children and our children's children to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would fight for the heart, not with the person. Help us, Lord, we pray. We need help in that. Help us be the people you've called us to be. Help us to invite you into the rhythm, to create that rhythm, in our family's lives where it's normal and it's natural and it's fun and help us make it personal that it's got to begin in me it's got to begin in us before it happens in our children I pray for parents right here right now that they would see that they are not alone but they are loved that you delight in each and every person that you care for them deeply that they are a part of a wider circle that we are here to help lift them up to encourage them in the often very hard role of being a parent. But they're a part of a a bigger community and a family called the church that loves them and wants to support them and invest in them and their children. And I pray, God, that you would help us as Door of Hope Christian Church, together in community, in your presence, by your grace. And it's through the the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. give a big thanks to Steve. Thank you so much, Steve.